Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. Always great to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Today is the 18th of the month of Sivan in the Hebrew calendar, the 7th of June. Um, today is an important day in Jewish history, the 18th of Sivan, from the point of view that in 1944, Jewish day schools in America got a major boost when Rabbi Shrigel Fendel Mendelovitz founded Torah Umasoira. So Torah Musoira is the National Society for Hebrew Day Schools in the United States. Although Jewish day schools existed at the time, the first ones were really founded in 1888. The Rabbi Jacob Joseph School was in 1900. The idea was generally rejected by American Jews who saw it as parochial and a stepped back to the European shtetl. Rabbi Mendelovitz, however, felt that afternoon Hebrew schools were failing to transmit Judaism in a companion manner to students who arrived tired in the afternoons and who were subjected to assimilationist influences in American culture. He set out to create schools that emphasized Jewish studies without compromising the secular studies program as well. In recent decades, enrollment in Jewish day schools has thrived. One of the estimated 850,000 Jewish uh, school-aged children in America about of the estimated 850,000, about 200,000 are presently enrolled in some 900 um, Jewish day schools in the United States, more than triple of what it was in the 60s. Many recent studies have shown that giving a child a Jewish day school education is the single greatest hedge against assimilation. And uh, so we see that in 1944 there was a big boost on this day um, to the Jewish day schools in America. And of course uh, that movement grew tremendously and uh, paid a massive part in saving American Jewry from complete assimilation. And so too here in South Africa, we're very fortunate that we have excellent Jewish day schools and uh, the vast majority of, of Jews living in South Africa do attend Jewish day schools. And that's uh, something that's very important for the future of the Jewish people and to instill within our children a appreciation for what it means to be a Jew and for um how valuable tradition, how precious that is, how important it is that we continue to practice as Jews, and of course that we do not assimilate and we don't marry non-Jews. These are all very important values that are um, the the chances of them being followed by the next generation are much greater when they go to Jewish day schools. So I thought I would mention that today because today is the anniversary. I also wanted to mention something else that is very interesting and that is that um, on um, Friday, which is the 20th of Sivan, in 1648, it's the anniversary of the terrible pogroms that took place in Poland. Um, in the year 1648, the rampaging Cossacks led, led by Bogdan Chilomitsky um, massacred 6,000 Jews in a place called Nemirov in Poland. Chilomitsky's hatred of Jews was inflamed from the time he planned the revolution 
against the Polish government. A Jew overheard and reported the plot, and Chilmanetsky was led to prison and changed and sentenced to death for treason. But before the verdict could be carried out, the king of Poland died. Chilmanetsky escaped and led the Cossacks to defeat the Polish army, attacking and murdering Jews at every opportunity. Hundreds of Jewish communities were destroyed by the Cossack hordes, and approximately 500,000 Jews were murdered. Unbelievable number. Half a million Jews were murdered by Chalmanitsky and his gangs. Um, Kinos were written by the rabbis of the time, comparing this great tragedy to the destruction of the temple. And this would be the most bitter time for Polish Jewry for several centuries until 1942, when the Nazis wiped out and destroyed all the Jews, massacred and and uh, committed genocide against the Jews of Poland. But up until then, in 1648, this is the anniversary of those terrible pogroms that took place in Poland. So that is the 20th of Sivan, which is this Friday. And on Shabbos, the 21st of Sivan, is the anniversary when Miriam spoke negatively about her brother Moshe. Um, and that is, that was the Hebrew year 2448. That's the, um, the year 12, uh, sorry, 1312 before the Common Era, when Miriam um, took up this particular point with Hashem. And uh, actually, very amazingly, it's actually in this week's Parsha. So the anniversary of the date, the 21st of seven, which is the Shabbos, is when we're going to read about this incident in the Torah. And uh, there are many wonderful, important lessons to learn from this incident when Miriam um, said something about Moshe to Hashem. And uh, it was she had good intentions and she loved her brother and she wanted to help out the situation. But we see that there were some negative consequences. So please stay with us in a moment. We'll go further into this incident with Miriam and his her brother Moshe. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're discussing the anniversary of when Miriam spoke about a brother Moshe and spoke negatively about Moshe. That the anniversary is the 21st of Sivan, which is this coming Shabbos, and it's when we read it on this coming Shabbos, which is quite amazing. It's not often that the two coincide. Um, and uh, it's at the, in this week's Parsha, Parsha is by Eloisacha. So right at the end of the Parsha, the Torah tells us that Miriam was speaking to her brother Aaron about Moshe. And Vayoimru, she said, Harak ach Moshe diber Hashem, that Hashem only speak to Moshe. Halo gambanu diber v'yishma Hashem. Did Hashem not also speak to us? Va'ish Moshe anav ma'od mikola adam ashe al pnei adam. The pasuk then says that Moshe was the most humble person of anybody in humanity that existed in the world. So, the, what was the issue that Miriam had? Her issue was that she saw that Moshe had separated from normal married life with his wife Zipporah. And she wondered about that. She was actually defending the interests of her sister-in-law and saying, is that absolutely necessary? Because we, uh, she said to Aaron that we too are Nevi'im. We are also prophets. Hashem has spoken to us too, the both of us, and we haven't separated from our spouses. 
it, you know, it, it was not separate in terms of, of not being married, but it means separate in terms of not being intimate. We haven't uh, changed our regular family life, whereas Moshe has. And is that absolutely necessary? Because um, Moshe, after all, is still married to Tzipora. So that was the 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 point that Miriam raised. And the Pasuk Hashem testifies and says that Moshe was the most humble of any human being that's, that has walked the earth. What an incredible compliment that Hashem gives to Moshe. And Hashem continues and he says, He calls Miriam and Aaron and Moshe. And he says, So Hashem explains to Miriam and to Aaron the difference with Moshe. He says, any other Navi, any other prophet that has a prophecy, which means has communication with Hashem, has a communication from on high. There's a, a, a communication to that individual from the eternal world, the world beyond time and space. So usually Hashem says when person, a person has such a message communicated to them, so that comes in a dream. But he says that's not the case with my servant Moshe. He's the most faithful in all of my household. Mouth to mouth I will speak to him. And I give, uh, Moshe has a direct vision and not chidos, which is like riddles, which is indirect. And he sees the vision of Hashem clearly. And Hashem says, why were you not concerned and frightened to speak about my servant Moshe? In other words, everybody else, Hashem explained the, the distinction. Everybody else, they are come to them in a vision when in some sort of mind altered state. But Moshe speaks to me per alpe, speaks to me directly. And um, there's nobody else who has such a clear vision and such a direct communication. And that's why Moshe's situation is different from your situation and from the situation of every other prophet. Moshe does need to no longer have the normal family relations with his wife um, because he speaks to me in this manner. And he's special and unique in this way. So uh, uh, really an amazing communication and incident that takes place. And we see as a result of Miriam saying such a thing, she gets saras. Saras is the skill, the skin affliction. And uh, in order to heal from saras, she has to be quarantined from the camp. She has to be removed from the camp of Klai Israel and for a week be quarantined and then the saras will heal, which obviously was a very difficult thing for her and a very painful thing to her, quite humiliating that she now has to uh, be out of the camp for a week. Um, so we learn from you a very powerful lesson. We learn that Loshan Hora is so destructive and so devastating that even in this case, where Miriam only had the best intentions, she wanted to create shalom bias between Moshe and Zipporah, and she wanted to help them. She only had their best uh, interests at heart. She didn't want to hurt them. Even so, we regard her as Loshan Hora, and she got Saras. And the Pasuk says that instead of Klai Yisrael, the Jewish people moving on, well, Miriam had to wait in isolation. The Pasuk says, um, She was outside of the camp. And the nation did not travel until Miriam joined them. In other words, the whole nation waited for Miriam. Rashi says, and that's the last Rashi of the Pasha, Rashi says, 
בעם לא נעשה, זה הכבוד חלק למקום, בשביל שער אחס שנדאג כבר למשה כאשר הושלך ליאור. So Rashi says that this unbelievable honor which was given to Miriam was as a result of the hour that she waited while Moshe was in the river. Amazing thing. So Rashi says this Midik Megid and he quotes Shneimar v'titzav achoysoy meirachot that his sister stood, the Pasuk says his sister stood, stood from afar and waited and watched. That's the Sifuri and that's the Gemarion Soita. So we see a phenomenal thing over here. We see that because Miriam waited for Moshe all of those years earlier when Moshe was born, she waited to ensure, if I'm not mistaken, it was, um, it was 80 years. Moshe was 80 when they came out of Mitzrayim. So 80 years ago, Miriam waited for an hour to see what would happen to her brother who they were hiding on the Nile. Um, because all the, all the boys that were being born were being murdered by Pharaoh's soldiers. So she, her family hid this child and she waited to see what would happen because, she, and we all know what happened. Batya came and, um, Moshe needed to nurse and she went to Pharaoh's daughter Batya and said, do you need a, a witness? And Batya said yes. And that's how Moshe maintained his, that's how Moshe was saved. That's how he still had a relationship with his family. So because Miriam waited for Moshe all those years ago, 80 years ago, so all of Klai Israel will wait for Miriam. There were three million people. Imagine three million people waiting for you. You know, sometimes when there's an important person, we wait for them before we, we you know, the car will wait for them or we'll wait for them, um, for them to arrive before we begin the ceremony or whatever it may be. You know, a few people wait for an important person. Here we've got three million people. Waiting for Miriam, and this is Klal Yisrael. This is the holy nation of the Jewish people. Many wonderful holy people in those three million, including Moshe and Aaron, her brothers, and they all waited for Miriam because of the kindness she did did by waiting for Moshe. So, the first point that I want to draw out from this is that it's actually a point that I heard from uh, Rabbi Meisim uh, Sperling, uh, which is a beautiful idea that he says, and that is that. Um, we see how powerful chesed is, kindness. When we do an act of kindness to somebody else, it has cosmic ramifications, and its significance will remain forever. And so we shouldn't undermine or uh, belittle or not appreciate the power of a single deed. And the importance, you know, it may be a smile to somebody in the morning, giving them a warm greeting. It may be a voice note you send to somebody who hasn't been around or you haven't seen and to see how they're doing or a muzzle tov. It may be a phone call that you make. It may be tzedaka that you give. It may be some advice that you share with somebody or hear of their situation that they're going through, giving somebody empathy. All of these kindnesses have a tremendous uh, impact on the world, and they are always going to be remembered. That credit will always be in our account, and we shouldn't underestimate the power of a kind deed. We see that all of Klai Yisrael, 
three million people waited for Miriam because she waited for Moshe. That nothing gets lost in Hashem's accounting. Hashem's cheshboinus, Hashem's accounts are accurate and true and nothing falls through, both good and bad. And therefore, we should apply ourselves to doing good and to doing kindness and to helping others and to help try lift others. You know, most of us are so caught up up in ourselves and are so single dimensional in terms of our own um, lives and the situations and circumstances and and um, and daily uh, 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 occurrences to us in our own personal lives that we find it quite difficult <laughs> to, to see others and to actually understand that others also have lives and challenges and ups and downs and uh, circumstances that they are going through. And so when we blo- stop our own self-focus, um, our own narcissism, and we actually look out and see another and do something to help another, so Hashem notices that. Hashem sees that, and that has eternal relevance and significance and impact. And so... This should encourage us all to do as much kindness as we can and to help others in every way we can. And we all have a sphere of influence and we all have circumstances, situations that come our way in which we can extend ourselves to assist others. And that is of paramount importance. So that's the first point that we want to draw out from this incident. But the second point and the main one refers to the fact that Hashem testifies that Ish Moshe Anav Maod Mikol Adam Alpne Adama. That Hashem that Hashem says that Moshe is the most humble individual in the world. And which is an incredible thing, quite an incredible thing. And the humility of Moshe is so significant that he he's able to lead Klay Israel in a pristine way because of that humility, because of that greatness. And that's something that we all should aspire to achieve is humility in our lives because the characteristic that is most associated with our success in our lives is another, is humility. And there are many wonderful examples of great people who through their humility have achieved incredible things. Um, and that certainly is our goal because when we live with humility, we're able to fulfill the Torah properly. And when we don't have humility, we won't be able to fill the Torah properly. Um, so, for example, it says, Love your fellow as yourself. We are only able to do that if we have a sense of humility. And we are only able to fulfill Hashem's commandments if we have a sense of humility. So, I'm going to share with you four amazing stories. Also, I heard them from Rabbi Sperling, um, which are classic stories. And they illustrate to us the power and the importance of humility. The first one is about um, the great and holy Chovetz Chaim. The Chovetz Chaim was, uh, of course, the um, incredible um, leader of Klal Yisrael um, at the beginning of the 20th century, the end of the 19th, the beginning of the 20th century. The Chovetz Chaim died in the year 1933. And then so many incredible stories about the Chovetz Chaim. So listen to this one. Chovetz Chaim was once traveling, as he did often, he traveled to raise money for his yeshiva, but more commonly he was traveling to fight for Klal Yisrael, to represent Klal Yisrael, to try and 
and ease the burden on the Jewish people in Europe, which was quite a heavy burden that they carried. There was a lot of anti-Semitism. There was a lot of prejudice against Jews in Europe. And the Chotz was always defending and at the forefront of the cause of improving the situations, conditions, circumstances for the Jewish people in Europe. And on one such trip, he often, you know, was uh, accompanied by others um, because they, you know, assisted him. Uh, the traveling, traveling was, was quite brutal in those days. So it was very difficult to travel. And so he had, a, 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 you know, usually one or two people with him. And on one such occasion, there was a Talmud that was with him. And they were staying at an inn. And they had been traveling all day, exhausted, went to sleep. And the Chobetz Chaim then, after sleeping for two hours, got up. The Talmud pretended to be asleep as well. But he um, he could see, he, he was so, you know, it, it, um, you know, in awe of the presence of Chobetz Chaim that he actually wasn't sleeping. The Chobetz Chaim came over to look. You know, it, 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 his bed was in another room, and he came to see, I think it was like one big room. He came to see in that corner where the, the Talmud was sleeping, and the Talmud closed it out, pretended to be sleeping. And then the Chavetz Chaim went to the other corner of the room, and he thought the Talmud was sleeping. And he said, Yisrael Meir, why do you um, accept all of this honor that people give you? People treat you with such honor, yet you are such a simple person. You don't even fulfill even one hundredth of what a Jew should fulfill in the obligations to Hashem. And so um, all this honor is unfounded and is incorrect. And he kept on saying that to himself and he actually started crying. This Talmud saw the Chavot Chaim crying and saying, Yisrael Meir, you don't come close to fulfilling what you're supposed to as a Jew. So we see the mindset of the Chavot Chaim. Now, you know, it's hard for us to relate to such a person because his greatness is just almost indescribable. Chavetz Chaim wrote the, the Mishnah Bura. Chavetz Chaim wrote many, many others for him. Chavetz Chaim was the leader of the generation. All of the great questions within Klai Yisrael went to the Chavetz Chaim. He, he was carrying the Jewish people on his back. And, you know, he, his greatness is almost indescribable. Yet the way he saw himself is as a regular Yid. I'm a regular Yid and I don't even fulfill my basic obligations. As a regular year. That was the level of humility of the Chobot Chaim. And that's how he was able to achieve the great hearts that he achieved. And that should be the attitude that all of us have in our lives. That I'm not this Mr. Great so-and-so on my high horse. And I, you know, carry myself around like I'm superior to everybody else. And, um, you know, who's that sitting in my chair? And who's that talking to me that way? And what gives them a right to treat me in this way? That's generally the attitude of most of us. But our attitude should be humble, that I am received all I have from Hashem and my success in whatever area and my health and my family and my parnosa and my, my physical um, attributes, my looks, it all comes from Hashem. It's given to me by Hashem. And it's my obligation to serve Hashem as best I can. And to live a life of appreciation for all these gifts that have been given to me. And even if we enjoy success, it's not because of me. It's because Hashem has given me the opportunity. And Hashem has given me the health. And Hashem has given me the brain to be able to to create whatever I have. Whatever success I, I have been blessed with. That needs to be our attitude. That's our attitude in life with our fellow human beings. And that's our attitude in our home as well. In the home. When a person realizes that as a husband, I'm supposed to be 
a good husband. That's what Hashem wants of me. But after the Rech HaKamalacha applies most of all to my family, to be a good husband and take care of the physical and emotional needs of my spouse or a good wife and my needs of my, of my husband. And, I, and I'm to be a good parent, a good father to my children, a good mother to my children. That's what Hashem wants of me. It's not about me and my glory and my covet and my greatness and my, you know, my reputation. It's about me serving Hashem. And I serve Hashem by giving to those in my life, first and foremost to my family. And then it will extend beyond that to my community. So that's the attitude. That was the attitude of Moshe Rabbeinu. He was that's the a compliment that Hashem gives him in the Torah. And that needs to be our attitude. And if we have that attitude, so then we can treat others with love and with dignity and, and love them and rejoice in their successes and be there for others and first and foremost for our family and, and then for the community. And then also we'll serve Hashem in the right way. So the key to our avoid, to our service of Hashem, both in terms of Ben Adam Lechaveru with us and our fellows, and Ben Lamakum is achieving this attitude of gratitude and of humility in our lives. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the importance of humility, the great attribute of Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, the most humble human being in the world, and the compliment that Hashem gives him about that attribute and the secret to his great success, and the secret to all of our success is to install within us this attitude of humility and this ability to um, appreciate. So, so for a person to be humble doesn't mean that they're a walkover. doesn't mean that they're a doormat. humble person can be a very strong person who is able to stand up for themselves and stand up for what they believe in. But they do so with the right attitude. It's within the right perspective. They understand that whatever they have and whatever they've achieved in their life is by the grace of God. It's through Hashem's kindness, through Hashem's blessings that is shown upon them. And that's how they have achieved what they have achieved. And that's how they have the talents that they have. And therefore, their, this knowledge and this awareness gives them the impetus to serve Hashem and to live a life in a humble way, to be humble even if they are a very successful person. And so the examples that we're giving are highly successful individuals, like the Chofetz Chaim. The Chofetz Chaim was the greatest of his generation, wrote the greatest forum, some of the greatest forum that we have, both in Musa and in Agada and in Halacha, the, the Adu Dafayum Halacha. It's a wonderful DSU program. We learn page of Mishnah every day. It's just the genius of this work is, is indescribable. And it's, it has been essential to the survival of the Jewish people in the 20th and 21st centuries. So here we're talking about a powerhouse. We're talking about, you know, somebody who's achieved incredible things in this world. Yet he lives with such humility and such a genuine respect for other human beings. It's unbelievable that people can achieve this. And that's something we should aspire to. So we shared the one story about the Chovetz Chaim saying to himself that he's just a regular Jew who doesn't even fulfill his basic requirements. 
And there's another amazing story about the Chofetz Chaim that I'd like to share with you. And that is um, one time the Chofetz Chaim's yeshiva was in Radin. Radin is a small town. Today it's in Belarus. And the border often moved. So, you know, it, it, oftentimes it was part of Greater Lithuania. Um, and it's uh, the, the Chofetz Chaim he, in the small town of Radin had a yeshiva. He had many Talmudim and his students. And one of his Talmudim unfortunately fell ill. And he went to his rabbi and he told him that I'm very ill. Um, this is what the doctors have said about my terminal illness. And the Chofetz Chaim said to him, don't worry, you're going to be okay. What you need to do is go to this particular individual, go to this tzaddik and get a brocha from this tzaddik. And so his student went to this other person that Chofetz Chaim told him to go to, told him that he was ill and asked him for a brocha and he gave him a brocha. And this young student recovered. And thank God he became healthy and he was fine. Twenty years later, so the illness returned. And um, he was now married. He was now living in somewhere else. And uh, he remembered what had happened last time. And he then went back to the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim now was already very old, was towards the end of his life, and he was quite weak. Chavetz Chaim lived, lived to um, the year. He was 90 years old when he passed away. And so this was, you know, he was in his late 80s already. And this individual said to him, Rebbe, um, last time that I had this illness, you told me what to do and it worked. Please help me again. And the Chavaz Chaim said to him, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to do what I did last time. He said, last time I told you to go get a brocha, but I fasted for 40 consecutive days so that you could be healed because of your illness. And that's what happened last time in Baruch Hashem. It was successful. But unfortunately, I don't have the strength anymore to fast for 40 consecutive days. I'm too weak and too old to be able to do that. Of course, I'll daven for you, but I won't be able to do for you what I did. Now, nobody knew that. So here you've got, let, let's paint the picture. Here you've got the Gadol Hador, the greatest Jew of the generation, the person who all of the Jewish people turn to uh, for guidance and for inspiration. And for Psak Halacha and for what the Halacha is in the world. And a, a young student comes to him and says he's ill. And this great person who's carrying so much in his world, he doesn't have one second to spare, who is so sought after, he fasts for 40 days in order that this person should be healthy. And he doesn't tell anybody. doesn't even tell the person himself. He says, you go get a bracha from this person. So he like misleads him to think that it's that person's bracha. Sure, that person's bracha also helped. But he did the, the heavy lifting over here. But he didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew. That, that's the, the attitude. That's the behavior of a person who's an anav, of a person who's humble, and of a person who has the right perspective and sees what Hashem has given him. He, Chaim's view was Hashem has blessed me to, to lead Kla Israel. But it's not because of anything special about me. It's because Hashem's given me those attributes, you know. Moshe Rabbeinu the same. I've led Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. I've, I've received the Torah of Klai Yisrael. It's not because of me. Just Hashem's given me certain qualities that I was able to do this. It's Hashem. It's not me. So that's the attitude of a humble person. And that certainly is the key to uh, achieving spiritual greatness in this world. To The key to treating our family right to treating our fellow human beings right and to treating Hashem right and to serving Hashem in the right way. So I want to I uh, share with you one more story before we go to our next ad break. And this story is uh, more modern 
tzaddik, a more modern righteous person, uh, in the name of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein lived in the United States. He was born in Europe. He went just before the war to America, and he became the Gadol Hador, the great leader of American Jewry. Um, and uh, the great Poisek too, the great uh, Halachic Tassasa um, in the United States. Reb Moshe, um, he was uh, already by this time um, quite ill. He was towards the end of his life. And he was in hospital. And when he was in hospital, it was Friday afternoon, he, there was a phone call for him. He couldn't take it, but his son was there with him and his son took the call. And this person, a lady, said, please can I speak to the rabbi? She said, so he said, sorry, he's not well, he's ill. She said, yes, I know, I called the house. I call every Friday to ask the rabbi a question. And they told me he's in hospital, so I'm calling him in the hospital. This man said, look, my father's very, very ill, and he's got no strength. He can hardly speak. Um, maybe you can try on Motzeh Shabbos, and hopefully he'll have more strength and we'll be able to speak to you then. She said, no, 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 I have to speak to him now. So this uh, Ramosha son said, so what is this all-important question that you have to speak to him now? said, well, I need to find out what time candle lighting is before Shabbos. Because every single Friday, since my husband died, which has now already been a number of years, I would always phone the rabbi and he would tell me the time of candle lighting. Now, again, this is the Gadlator. This is Reb Moshe was somebody, he wrote Igris Moshe, which is the most wonderful work of his childers that he received. Now he answered them and he was really the foundation of dealing with halacha in the modern world. He knew Kol HaTorah Kuloi. Like the Chovetz Chaim, he knew everything. He knew the entire Shas, he knew the entire Shulchan Aruch. It's just breathtaking how brilliant and how much this man knew and how many people he was dealing with on a daily basis and, and guarding. And yet he would take the call of this widower, of this widow, every Friday. He could have just said, you know, buy a, a luach and look on the luach and then you'll know the times. But he treated Everybody in such a gentle way, in such a loving way, in such a, a dignified way that he would take this call every Friday and tell her what time candle lighting is in a warm and sweet way. So the humility of – it's only through tremendous humility that a person would be able to behave in such a way and treat others in such a way. And so, of course, it is a source of great inspiration to us to follow in the footsteps of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Chovetz Chaim, of Moshe Feinstein – and try and instill humility into our own lives. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Let's end off with an inspirational idea from the Nasiv Shalom, the Holy Nasiv Shalom, the Stony Marebi, says on the Pasuk in this week's Pasha, the Torah tells us that from the day when the Mishkan, when the sanctuary was inaugurated, so Kisa Anan Al Esa Mishkan, a cloud covered the Mishkan, and in the morning that cloud would become a fire, would become like a burning fire. And that cloud would remain on the Mishkan. When the cloud lifted, um, the cloud in the day would go in front of the Jewish people and they would follow the cloud. In the night, it would be a pillar of fire. And as long as it was in front of them, they would walk. And when they, when it returned back to reside on the Mishkan, so then they would stop. So the camp would go 
by Hashem's command. As the Pasuk says, I'll pay Hashem Yisu, I'll pay Hashem Yechanu. Uh, by the word of Hashem, Israel, the Jewish people would travel, and by the word of Hashem, they would encamp, and they would stay encamped. And Moshe Shalom's got a beautiful um, interpretation explanation of this. He says that the Mishkan represents every Jew. Um, as the Pasuk says, Vasuli Mishkan, make for me a Mishkan, Vashachanti Vasaychan, and I'll dwell in them, not Vasaycho in it, but in them. Hashem says, make for me a Mishkan in you, and I'll dwell in you. Each of us is a Mishkan. And he says the, when the cloud was on the, uh, the, um, the Mishkan, on the Oymoed, and it was, at night it was a fire. So that represents times in the life of a human being where things are not so clear. Where we can't see, where it's murky, where it's dark. Um, either when the cloud covers the Mishkan, it's dark and they couldn't see. And that happens to us in our lives. There are dark patches, there are dark times, there are times when we don't have clarity. And the, the, sometimes there's fire. And Silver Sham says that fire represents the fire of the Yet Sahara. There could be times in our life where the Yet Sahara is very strong and where our appetites for power and for pleasure and our jealousy are dominant within us. So he says, in those times, those are difficult times, Al through the word of Hashem, we will encamp. We're still supposed to hold on. It's telling us, the Torah is telling us, that there will be times like that. Life is filled with difficulties and with challenges and with moments where it's cloudy, with the moments where it's dark, when there are moments where our Yetzirah is dominant. That is part of life, that the life of a Jew is filled with challenges and with difficulties and with nishoyness, with tests. As you know, Abraham Avinu passed the ten tests to reach his greatness. And so we all will be given these challenges and tests in our life. As long as we hold on, Hashem through the word of Hashem we will encamp. We will realize that this is a time that we must be loyal to Hashem, fulfill the commandments of Hashem. These are difficult, it's a difficult patch we're going through. This is what Hashem is giving us at this moment and we hold on with faith and with loyalty and with devotion to Hashem. And there will be times, he says, when the cloud is lifted and when we can move forward and when the, the cloud and the fire are in front of us and we they're sources of inspiration and where we can move forward in a positive way. Those are also part of the journey of our life. And those are also times when we Hashem Yisu. We travel with the word of Hashem. Sometimes we do, we are on a wave, we enjoying success in certain areas of our life. So that is also Alpi Hashem. That also needs to be in the context of serving Hashem and of being devoted to Hashem. And that's the story of the life of a year. Sometimes we are encamped and it's hard. Sometimes we're traveling forward and we in a wave of inspiration. As long as it's all Alpi Hashem, that is our purpose in this world and that is our mission and the journey of every Jew. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.